Welcome back to Cast Me to Hell. I'm Seb. And I'm Robbie. And this is our seventh episode. Uh, we've had quite a few kind of uh, thrown in there, a little bonus episode, special episode. So uh, if you've lost track, this is our seventh episode. Yep. <laughs> we've had a lot of part ones, part two. Yeah, so we're, you know, the continuity is all over the place. <laughs> kind of like the film that we're going to be discussing today. <laughs> Absolutely. That was not planned either. No. So today we are looking at Friday the 13th. Now, the reason that we are looking at Friday the 13th is because this year is its 40th anniversary. And not only that, but today is Friday, Friday the 13th. 13th. <laughs> uh, so before we get we get into the nitty gritty, um, let's just warm up, man. What, yeah. have you, uh, what have you been watching since we last met and recorded? Uh, well, uh, last time we recorded, it may seem like a while since I've talked about this, <laughs> but I did finish watching The Haunting of Bly Manor because I did have a little bit of a... I'm not sure if it's going to be that yeah. good. It's a bit more disappointing than the other one. And although I would say it's not as good as The Haunting of Hill House, um, it's a very different kind of ghost story. It's not that scary, I've got to be honest. Yeah. It is, a, and you may have heard this, it's a bit more of a love story in a strange way. Yeah, I've heard that. Um, although it does work, um, it's kind of a bit more of like a sad ghost story than it is the other one, which was a legitimately creepy haunted yeah. house as the title haunting <laughs> kind of gives you. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but something that Mike Flanagan is actually really good at doing is it kind of all pulls together in the last few episodes, and oh, the sick. ending is actually really quite good. It kind of quite yeah. touching in a way. Um, so, yeah, it, I wouldn't say it's necessarily for, um, for someone who's looking for major scares. This one's not necessarily going to be for you. But yeah. if you enjoyed Haunting of Hell House, I think you'll find something to enjoy there. Uh, what have you been watching, Bobby? Uh, so I've been watching two things, um, both on Netflix. One of them is a show called Kingdom that my brother told me about. Okay. Um, so it's it's a Korean uh, series, uh, and obviously, if you if you listen to the show, you know I'm not particularly great with subtitles, but I'm trying to get into them. Big boy. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to be a big boy. And um, my brother recommended watching it, and it's really good. the The kind of basic gist of it is, I think it's it's feudal Korea. Yeah, and there's like a zombie infection kind of going around. Oh, it's cool. really interesting. Um, cinematography in it is absolutely beautiful. Like, I don't know who the director is or anything like that, but it looks great. Um, and naturally, it, when I first opened it, it was you know it had the dubbed version, but I was like, nah, I'm being a big boy. I put the <laughs> the original Korean yeah. and the subtitles on. There's nothing I hate more than a dub. But I got yeah. I just it takes. I'd rather watch subtitles because it just throws me out so much. Yeah. The, uh, most it's, of the time, the sync they aren't synced properly. Well, it's a lot better than like it used to be. Like, yeah. When, when you watch seventies kung fu movies. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's still a little bit off. So they I'll are normally yeah, a bit off. <laughs> and then um, the other series I've been watching is Mindhunter. I don't know oh, if you got around to that, man. I haven't got around to it. It's, yeah. it's on the list. <laughs> it's so good. Um, so I'm, I think I've, I might have just finished the first season. Um, but it's so good, man. Uh, the, um, I heard it got cancelled, which sucks. Because they're kind of what it looks like. They're leading up to like BTK in it. Oh, did it get ca- I, I thought I they were still unsure if it was going to get its first season or not. I think it, I've heard it's been cancelled. Mm, it's but the, not. Yeah. Netflix is a bit of a bastard. At they the are. They keep so cancelling stuff after like two seasons. Or... Yeah. And because of COVID, there've even a few series they've now just gone. Oh, you know what? We're not. Even though we said we are, we're, not. <laughs> we're just ditching it. Yeah. But the guy, because obviously it kind of follows the early days of criminal behavior science, that yeah. sort of stuff. The guy who plays um, Edmund Kemper in it, um, I think his name is Connor Britton, maybe, okay. possibly. Yeah. Um, the dude is just 
so terrifying and so insane. Yeah, I remember hearing yeah. that about the first season, like how incredible. good the the killer they're talking yeah. to is, because it's David Fincher uh, who, who made who made the series. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know David Fincher. So like Zodiac and yeah. uh, Seven, Seven yeah. which you know. And, and it, you can yeah. probably see now, like I've, now you, you think say about it, it, I can the, yeah, the I dark can style, it. the kind of yeah. the way it's shot. I don't know if he he directed all of them, but he definitely yeah. directed some, and I believe he's overseen it quite yeah. like, most of the series. So. Right, it's really good, really well acted as well, which is good. Um, the whole thing is just great, man. Yeah. And then I also I told you I got that horror box in the car. Um, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So there's there's somebody we follow called um, he's called David, but. His Instagram handle is is uh, Ghostface Reviews. He's a really nice guy, and he was he was just putting together these horror boxes, like a mystery box. He does them in medium and large, oh, and cool. I was like, I'll go for medium um, because I've you know I, someone I've always wanted to try out, but I've never really seen people doing it. And he's he's a sound guy, um, and he he asked me what I was into, so I kind of told him the films I was into and what kind of stuff I wanted, and then he sent it out to me. Um, I got it today. It's got, uh, what did it have in it? It had a couple of like ghost face stickers in it. It had um, a, a Michael Myers air freshener, which was really cool. Um, and the Halloween 2018 um, soundtrack for the whip. So I can I can go around blaring <laughs> the shape punts Allison and that kind of stuff. Um, there was the... Uh, there was the, the remake of um, Nightmare on Elm Street in there. And the, 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 two, the two ones that stuck out the most were really cool was he got me um, a NECA uh, leather face from the original film, still in the box, everything like that, which is really nice. Yeah. And then he got me um, a signed and authenticated like poster of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2. And it's signed by, uh, I, think his name, I think it's Ed Ball, who, uh, or, who played um, Leatherface. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Ah. And, uh, yeah. That sounds so, cool. That's yeah. so sweet. I'm going to have to have yeah. a little look into really that. Really cool, man. So check him out. Yeah, um, fantastic. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, well, you, you mentioned quite a few, so I guess I'll mention <laughs> one more thing that I have watched, which is Ratcheted. Which yeah. Is, is um, it a spin-off of American Horror Story? Or is it, it's not, but it, it's made It's made by this, the same people that yeah. made uh, American Horror Story, and uh, the guy who makes them all, his name is actually out of my head right now, but he, he's... He, he's basically everywhere at the moment the you know the american crime story he did those the oj one and yeah. things like that okay. uh, but loads of things he keeps popping up on um but uh yeah this is uh, meant to be a prequel to uh one flew of the cuckoo's nest so oh, oh nurse, yes. Ratchet, so nurse who ratchet was in it okay. yeah i didn't know that. Uh, but was... it's done in a very stylized kind of way so it's not yeah. really like the film at all uh, yeah. it's it's done in its own very american horror story kind of mm, style kind of put me off it. um and although i i lo- i really like american horror story and like sometimes they can be like fantastic there's a few there's a few seasons that aren't like amazing um the only thing i find with american horror story for me is that they aren't great at pulling off endings not many things none are, of but... their seasons have really ever pulled off a great ending maybe except for the first season um yeah. i've watched and... the first two i can't yeah. get into the others the um it's kind of like you can kind of pick and choose to be honest but um Ratch did so far i got me uh, uh myself and my partner watching it and we've got about six episodes in out of eight yeah really struggling to be like <laughs> I want to watch the last two yeah. episodes it's just not drawn me in at all it's it's got huge numbers for netflix it's been like huge it got like 48 million in like the first Shit. first couple of weeks or two weeks or something like that but so it's can't. been it's been one of the biggest ones they've had and yet yeah the actress is fantastic the actors are really good in it it's just something that hasn't, you know, it's not really a horror, it's not really 
I don't know. I just don't find it as interesting as I thought I would. I am yeah. going to finish it, but, but purely because I'm, it, cause I'm like, I've got <laughs> yeah. like an episode and a half left or something like that. You so. owe it to it to just finish it. Put, put, it, yeah. put it down, man. Yeah, so that's another thing. Yeah, so I have mainly yeah. been sticking a lot of Netflix at the moment. Yeah, same here, um, Right, let's go on to today. So, Bobby, do you want to yeah. talk us through? So, obviously, it's the 40th anniversary of Friday the 13th today, and we're only going to be covering the actual first film. We're going to be going quite in-depth into it, have a look at it, you know, um, and we will talk a little bit about, you know, a rundown and a breakdown of some of the scenes, yeah, uh, some of the actors in kind there. The legacy of the franchise. The leg- uh, we will yeah. mention a few of our favourite like little bits from other like, yeah. other areas of the franchise. Yeah, but we don't want to go too deep in because we do plan at some point to do a Halloween <laughs> star retrospective of it, which will be God knows how many parts out. Yeah, yeah, probably like a hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but um, so we're just going to kind of look at the first film, and the first film was uh, directed by Sean S. Cunningham. Um, though he, he has directed many films, none have kind of been his hits like this. And he's actually known more as a producer. So um, he, he was the producer for um, Wes Craven's Last House on the Left, which I believe was Wes, Wes, <laughs> Wes Craven's first film. Yeah, it was. Um, he did a producer for the House trilogy. Um, yeah. I've always heard about them. I haven't checked them out quite yet. Um, and he was also a producer for Jason Goes to Hell, Freddy versus Jason and the rebooted uh, Friday the 13th in 2009. Yeah. And the sto- the main story was written by Victor Miller, um, who just like Cunningham kind of had little to do with Friday the 13th after the first. He um he never wrote any of the sequels, which there are there are many. Um and he's more known for TV uh, such as All My Children and kind of his own books. Yeah. Um, the music. Now you know I'm an uh, I'm an original soundtrack <laughs> nerd. Yeah. The music was uh, kind of produced and put together and composed by Harry Manfred. Fre- ah, I can't speak today. It is, this is it. <laughs> yeah. Harry Manfredini. Yeah. Harry Manfredini. <laughs> I think you know I can't say names. Certain now. names are like yeah. <laughs> I just can't. I can't. I don't think I can speak. You know. Um, and the special of uh, see the special <laughs> effects were by uh, everyone's favorite. Uh, Tom Savini Beautiful. and the budget for this was um, 550,000 uh, US dollars and the box <laughs> office was 500 59.8 million yeah. which obviously is a massive uh, which is a massive box office that's a, it was a big hole for that one yeah definitely big big hole um got quite a star in list here but as we're going to go through it quite scene by scene it might help to know the actors that are and the names of the actors that yeah. are involved. So we have Adriana King as Alice, our main character, protagonist. Yeah. Harry Crosby as Bill, her kind of muse, her flame. Um, <laughs> Janine Taylor as Marcy. Uh, Laurie Bartom as Brenda. Some bloke called Kevin Bacon as Jack. Never heard of the dude. No, I don't know. Uh, Mark Nelson as Ned. Uh, Robbie Morgan as Annie. And Peter Bauer as Steve Christie. Um, we've also got Walt Gorney as Crazy Ralph. I love Crazy Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> and we've also got Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees and Ari Lehman as the little boy Jason. <laughs> the baby boy Jason. <laughs> the baby freaky looking Jason. Yeah. Him himself isn't freaky looking. It's, no. it's the makeup by Tom Savini. It is. It's the ma- <laughs> just to, just yeah, so Ari Lehman. Yeah. He is not... Um, <laughs> I, I don't know how to describe what he is. He's not There's a deformed, some bad words that yeah. people used to he's describe. Not a, what he a deformed is. human. Yeah. Harry Lemmy is a is a lovely guy. <laughs> yeah, no, just so you don't think that we're hating on him. We're not hating on him. It was the special effects of Tom Savini. Um, so the story, 
this is just going to be a brief one because we are going to go scene by scene. So, uh, Camp Crystal Lake has been closed for over 20 years due to some vicious and unsolved murders following the drowning of young Jason Voorhees in the summer of 1957 that were followed by the murder of two councillors in 1958. With constant fires and water pollution keeping the camp, camp now deemed Camp Blood closed. In present day, as it says in the film, or 1980, (laughs) uh, the camp's new owner and several young councillors are readying the camp for reopening, despite warnings of a death curse by local residents. Mainly Crazy Ralph. Yeah, mainly Crazy Ralph. The curse proves true on Friday the 13th as one by one each of the councillors are stalked by an unknown violent killer. Oh, Now, you may know that, but very much, if you don't know the film... It's an unknown killer because the main difference I'd say with this one is it's very much is like it's a who done it. It is. It's a bit of a who done it. And there's one thing that when we get to you know the scene we'll we'll talk about, which I quite liked because obviously when I first watched this film, um, I'd actually watched Scream before. Oh really? Yeah. I grew. I remember. I don't remember the first time I watched Scream, hmm. but I always remember it, and I always remember, you know, in Scream when they reveal who the killer is. Yeah, the the Casey the Casey Becker scene. Yeah, the Casey Becker scene, and I always remember that one of the questions was who was the killer in the original Friday the Thirteenth. Yeah, and so before I went into this film when I first watched it, I already knew who the who the killer was. Unfortunately, I think I was exactly the same. I'm fairly yeah. certain I watched Scream before I watched that. Although I still think, even though I was watching, I was waiting for. Well, so I, I know that the mother's a killer, but when are we seeing Jason, yeah. where's the <laughs> yeah. hockey mask coming into? Yeah, this, I was thinking, guys? where's the hockey mask? Where is it, lads? Um, yeah. yeah, so I knew that, but yeah, it's it's quite strange because yeah, this one because uh, we knew it before. If you've never if you've never seen it, then we'll stop listening. And go <laughs> watch it. <laughs> we're, we're going, I mean, we've <laughs> already <laughs> we've already kind of ruined it. But I mean, you know, can, can we give a spoiler warning for a film which is celebrating its 40th anniversary? <laughs> <laughs> mm, I'm not really sure that's yeah, going to work, especially yeah. for this show. <laughs> no, definitely not. Um, but yeah, so this was it's kind of a different film than the rest of the franchise in in some ways. It's not in the the stalker nature of it, but especially in the later parts yeah, of the leg like if we're talking about the franchise as it goes on uh it becomes much more of a kind of almost like a monster movie because yeah. jason is this monster that everyone's just basically gonna survive yeah but the first film is very it's very different to the to the rest of the film it is um you can you can tell the opening of the film um is do you want to talk about the opening because yeah. it's kind of straight from the the halloween playbook isn't it yeah, so I'm kind of going to go through a little bit of like describe this kind of opening scene because the opening scene is um, it's night in Camp Crystal Lake in 1958, and we follow a point of view shot, which this film is full of. Like, yeah, there's a lot of points. It's, re- like, it's a really nice aspect of the film. I actually quite liked in this yeah, one. It would, nice. If it was in a lot of the sequels, it would be overdone, but in this one, it's quite a nice little. Yeah, and it's a main part of this opening. Um, as we go into the campsite to- and towards a cabin, we see a bunch of camp counsellors singing merrily. <laughs> yeah, they're pretty, the this, yeah, they're all pretty happy around the fire, the little campfire. Yeah. <laughs> An indoor fire as well, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. it's a weird one. I think I, it's it's like a fireplace. I that think, for some yeah. reason, they're, they're playing guitar around. Like, yeah, you could have done that outside. Okay. Yeah, it's a, it's a weird one. Uh, they're all, yeah, they're all singing. They're having a little fun time. Um and as they uh, begin to come to an end, a man and a woman uh, who are giving themselves little flirtatious looks across there. <laughs> they are. Uh, they go upstairs into... This was the w- uh, weird for me as well. It's like an attic 
Yeah, it's in of... a cabin, which is just up the stairs, but it looks like an attic. It does. It looks like an attic. The, the wow. layout of this cabin is very <laughs> weird. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you have a one-story cabin with an attic. Yeah, know, I don't know. <laughs> that's what I mean. <laughs> which is um, used exclusively for rutting. I've literally but they begin to do naughty things with a winky face. <laughs> oh, because that translates well. To yeah, it does. Reading winky it. face, <laughs> so you can all hear it through my voice. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we ref- so yeah, we return to the point of view shot as the person kind of follows their way into the cabin and makes their way up the stairs. And as the man suddenly notices someone, he tries to explain that they were being like good Christian children. Yeah. <laughs> but the point of view kind of pulls him in. And as he falls, we see he's been stabbed in the stomach and is covered in blood, which is a really nice like effect, like as if yeah. you are... As in... if you've done it. Yeah, it's literally as like straight away as that. And then we follow the screaming girl who's now just seen her partner get butchered and we kind of follow her to the corner of the room and then we kind of freeze on her reaction yeah which is a nice yeah it literally is you really do get to feel like you're the one who is murdering this yeah person. and although we don't find out what happens to her we can assume it's just as it's brutal. not good yeah <laughs> and i think i think yeah it is from the halloween playbook you know but it works very well it is i mean it sets the, it sets the film i up. mean you can tell the influence of halloween or peeping tom i mean this film has got quite a lot of even psycho in yeah there, you know what i mean yeah, definitely. um it's definitely a mishmash of different films where they're just like <laughs> what could we make to make a big to make blockbuster <laughs> yeah, yeah basically this film was about buck <laughs> yeah that's it uh as most films are to be fair yeah um so i mean one thing i do love about this is the credits the sm- Friday the 13th as it yeah. smashes through the glass. Yeah. It's like as if they were like already ready for like one day we will do this in 3D. <laughs> yeah, one day people will wear goggles and they can see that. <laughs> and they were just prepared. <laughs> no, I really like the opening of the film. I think it, it sets the tone nice. It establishes it well. And then there's the jump to the present day, isn't there? Yeah. And you have daytime. and um, uh, That's where we meet Annie. Yeah. And I got like this is where we meet Annie. She's hitchhiking. She meets a nice little dog. Yeah, <laughs> um, and she goes into a calf. And this is where we get that standard. I mean, to be fair, these residents are not quite as. Um... Uh, they're not quite as we talked about American Werewolf, where the residents of that town are just like completely creepy and like yeah. what are, you're like what are you? Um, these residents are a bit more. They seem a bit more normal. Yeah, I think they're they're a bit more normal, but you can tell that they kind of have a bit of the, the bit of the trauma of what's happened at the camp yeah. and a bit of that kind of stuff. And that's what one thing I do like is, you know, the exposition setup within the main town is great. So Annie Annie arrives, um, and you know she's she's asking people if she can get a lift to to the camp. You know? Yeah, uh, and then that's where we see our boy uh, Crazy Ralph who <laughs> rocks up. Um, we on don't his find bike. Out, yeah on a bike. He's always uh, he loves that bike. <laughs> he loves the bike. And it, I mean, it's never explained why he's so crazy. I always had a little feeling that I mean, this is in my head that he was Jason's father, and Jason dying drove him crazy. That's just my idea, you know. I don't. It's probably not an original idea, but I'm claiming that I created that. You think that that, that is? Yeah. I, I, to be fair, I, I never really thought about Crazy yeah. Ralph in much depth. So, I mean, yeah, yeah, I could buy it. I'm, I'm claiming. We know, mom, we know, we know mother's crazy, so her <laughs> craziness could quite easily affect the father. Yeah, it could be. <laughs> um, and, and I think Annie, as herself, is quite a likable character. Well, I you really see, like I mean, the fact that you see her right after, 
and the fact that you follow her for quite a while. To yeah, fair, she's, you, in, she's in the truck basically. with, um, I think it's Enos or something, the truck yeah, driver. And they, they kind of explain, they kind of talk through. So they talk about the the kind of uh, the deaths. He, he kind of mansplains everything to her. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he, and he, it's a good, tells it. it's it a good exposition, isn't it? It is. It's like a natural chat, but you also kind of get to know Annie in a way, which yeah. makes you think in a way that she is the protagonist of this film yeah. because it does quite build it up. I always thought she should um, be. I liked Annie. Yes, I like Annie as well. I do think she should have been maybe the protagonist. We'll get to Alice later. Yeah. Um, yeah, and... He explains about the fires and the the water pollution that we someone or something has done to make yeah. people stay away from the camp, and he warns her not to go near it. Yeah, because as Ralph, well as Ralph. Yeah, well, like, Ralph is fucking spouting off about camp blood and a death curse. You know. Yeah, no one's really going to believe him, are they? Like, <laughs> no, they're just going to look at him like <laughs> <laughs> he wears a bucket hat and rides like a red bike. You got to you got to bin that off straight away. <laughs> so we get um, after that we get to. We get to see the other counsellors who are arriving and things like that after, yeah. you know. Um, because even though I remembered it, I remembered thinking that we kind of just followed Annie and she got out and then it leads later to her death. Yeah. Well, it has a little bit of a jump, doesn't it? Yeah, I, I forgot that, that 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 didn't happen. I thought, I remembered her, but I thought, oh, she's just going to yeah. go and she's going to die in a minute. And that's kind of the, oh, here's our protagonist. Oh, no, it's not. Just yeah. to make people think, oh, but it doesn't actually happen that quickly. We meet the other counts. We meet all the other counsellors. We yeah, we meet Jack and Bill and Alice and, and Marcy. Yeah, and uh, and I I love that when they turn up. I was like, I saw this and I was like, I I have to tell Seth this and I have to bring it up on the podcast. <laughs> but when they drive in, so Steve Christie, who is who is the new owner of the camp, he's the one trying to reopen it. The old yeah, he's the, got the mustache, the macho man. He's the macho man. He's got a mustache on, and in the the first scene you see of him, he's in like a pair of short shorts yeah. with a red bandana, just cutting wood, <laughs> like with a top. Off. And I just thought that is, that is such an eighties like it really <laughs> thing is, to yeah. do, isn't it? You wouldn't get away with that in a film these days. Now they'd have like tracksuit bottoms on and yeah. maybe be like in a vest, but he's just he's just cutting wood. Well, Most got... natural thing in the world. <laughs> yeah, that's what I mean. Although I will admit, he just seems to be really struggling to cut that wood. I got to be yeah. honest, he's kind of like tiny hacking <laughs> it a little bit. Um, I don't know if it's that. It is built up from the truck driver who does say to Addy and uh, yeah, Addy that he's. Uh, desperate because of how much money he's pumped into it yeah. and you do get that because the second they arrive he's like let's get to work come on let's, yeah, let's get on with it like you can tell that he's like yeah stressed and i like that he then goes into the town and he almost has a little bit of his own separate story yeah you know, he, he, he does get a little bit of that extra um i will admit there is a bit of a creepy scene with him though with him and Alice, where he kind yeah. of does a little bit of like advances towards her as he's talking to her outside yeah. of the cabin which is just before he decides to go off and he's kind of there and he's kind of talking to her and he's kind of like getting closer and close to her. Yeah. And she's saying that she kind of wants to go and you can see that she doesn't. And so he kind of goes from the macho man, like this is like our Burt Reynolds. Yeah, to, this uh, is our Bert, or this our is Tom our, Atkins. Yeah, our Tom Atkins. <laughs> <laughs> he's literally Tom Atkins, like our sponsor now. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> um, and then, yeah, and then he goes over to her and kind of becomes more of, Creepy Steve. <laughs> yeah, he becomes more creepy Steve. Yeah, yeah, only for that one scene, but yeah, he's a bit, he becomes a little bit like yeah. hands on. Um, so yeah, so we've we've kind of have a quick introduction to all of our little camp counselors. Yeah, there's a guy in it called Kevin Bacon who I don't think ever went on to do much. <laughs> you know, he's just there. <laughs> and um, oh, one scene that always stands out is, which I kind of thought was a kind of foreshadowing of Brenda later in the film, where um, uh, Ned fires yeah. the arrow i love that scene 
yeah, and kind of scares her, and it's a nice little jump scare, and um, and it does work well to set up Brenda's fate. Later it does, although it did make me think that Brenda's fate was a little bit different because I remembered, I remembered her being near those like that uh, the targets again yeah and remember thinking that her death's different and I'll talk about that when we get to yeah, her death we what to I her. was think, remembering because this is I've, it's been so long since I've revisited these films yeah we haven't watched them I mean we, we said we've got to we've got to review well not review but kind of go over Friday the 13th and re- remember it um, and then we, we obviously both went off and watched them uh, this week but we haven't yeah I haven't I like I'm just like I normally come back and when I do watch Friday the 13th, I start with four for some reason and then yeah. watch onwards. I, I haven't watched the first one for a good couple of years. And my mind always makes me kind of remember it as being worse than it actually was. But watching it again is actually a really enjoyable film. It's, it's got some creative moments in it. It is. It's a, it's a fun little like camp-based horror, like the <laughs> sleepaway camp. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it's, it, it's good. I, enjoy, I did enjoy it a lot more than I thought I would, um, even though I actually remembered it quite positively and yeah. i remember some of the sequels a little bit more negatively and i haven't revisited a lot of those yet oh. so yeah. uh, there are some that i remember though most of my legacy stuff later is basically <laughs> purely based on bits i remember and deaths and things yeah. like that that i remember <laughs> um but uh, there was something else about this scene which i noticed uh, which is to do with the music um so the decision as you notice um so man freddy um man freddy <laughs> man man fredini man fredini um, pointed out the lack of uh, music there in certain scenes. Yeah. Um, so this is kind of a little behind the scenes, but um, he literally pointed to this scene. So there's a scene where one of the girls is setting up the archery, just like we had with Brenda and that. And um, it's a bit of a jump scare, but if you notice, there's actually no music in the back of that. Yeah. There's no there's no ongoing score throughout the film. Um, and that was his choice because he noticed when he kind of wanted, when something was going to happen, the music would cut off so that the audience would relax a bit. And then the score would be more effective when it builds. When it so came in, yeah. whenever the killer's actually present, you might you wouldn't notice this if you were just viewing it randomly. Yeah. But it actually starts to build up the second the killer is actually, if it's their point of view or if they're nearby, that's when the music kicks in. Yeah. Um, so and the score is really good. You know, it is I really think, good. Um, a lot of the a lot of the eighties, uh, obviously great music in some films had amazing scores, but particularly the kind of the slasher films, which were really cheap to kind of make and quite profitable. The scores were kind of all over the place. Yeah, you know, sometimes they were really weird. It was a mix of kind of electro and yeah, operatic they were really stuff. Like, yeah, they didn't warm. know what it wanted to be, but uh, Manfredini kind of put together a really nice like operatic score almost using a lot of like yeah. violins and stuff like that and it, it does it, it 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 makes the film a lot more memorable than having I think kind so, of yeah. mix, mix match and I the mean, score stayed consistent throughout the theme throughout yeah the films he well. does seem to have taken a lot of inspiration from other films for that yeah like jaws is one where at one point i'm definitely like this is oh this <laughs> is, is jaws <laughs> yeah um but yeah but it is a really powerful powerful uh Music in the background there. Uh, score, sorry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Annie. Uh, Annie. So let's go back to the uh, Annie. Yeah. So we haven't talked about what happens with it. And this is one of the better kind of suspenseful sequences, really cool. I think. Um, and I really enjoy this part. And I really liked Annie. Um, so yeah. this was a bit of a, oh. Because <laughs> obviously Annie is being, is having a lift from Eno or whatever his name is. Yeah. And he, he can only drop off halfway. So yeah. she gets out of the of the truck and is picked up by somebody else. 
And the nice thing about this is you can't see. No. That you can kind of get a little glimpse, but there's like you can't see who it is. And I believe yeah. that that classic jumper, you can still slightly see a jumper. Just about. Well, Just I tried, about. I tried to pause it to see because when we get to the back behind the scenes stuff, I'll I'll mention it. But yeah, I tried to see if it was you know uh, Betsy Palmer driving. Or if it yeah. was like a stunt double or something, but I couldn't quite make I couldn't quite make out who it was. Yeah, yeah, we'll talk about yeah later yeah. who who was behind the murders at certain points in certain fil- in the film. Yeah. Um, yeah, so you kind of get to build this as I said about the suspense. It's it's nice because you you know that she's in the music starts playing and yeah. you know that she's in trouble here, but obviously she doesn't know that. And you build kind of get that sense of fear building as they go past they go past the camp. It. And you kind of see her getting really like nervous of it. And it's really quite good. I mean, she's very, the actress is very good, like in that scene to kind of yeah. build it up. And um, yeah, yeah although Morgan. there was one thing I did keep thinking. So there's like a part of the scene where like the point of view shot is staring at Annie and Annie's like talking back <laughs> yeah. to her. And it's about 15 <laughs> seconds, I think <laughs> I counted, yeah. where he's whoever the murderer is mrs voris is staring (laughs) i mean like a known murderer as it's meant to be yeah is staring at annie and i'm just like you're going around really bending corners (laughs) and you are just staring straight at her for like 15 seconds i'm like you're literally like how are you not in a tree (laughs) you're just knowing the roads that well just like yeah (laughs) i mean maybe she's a natural you know what i mean yeah she's just running through all the trees and running over maybe jason's telling her while she's looking (laughs) yeah that's another actual thing that i didn't notice until this viewing of it but there's a lot there's quite a lot of subtle hints um to who the killer is in this scene yeah so when it first when the f- scene first starts you have um annie in the in from a point of view shot and she's talking to the killer and um it's really quite cool because annie is talking about if she's ever had any kids and if she's ever given any thought yeah. to having kids and first time ever watching it i don't remember that and the past previous times watching it i didn't remember it but this time it really stuck out to me as it's, it's a really good hint and it's a good like kind of a bit of foreshadowing and a clue I, at who the i do is. think it's good I, and it's kind of played really nicely in quite a lot of parts of this film which i think is really nice that it's almost like you know whoever it is it's someone who they kind of just automatically seem to trust yeah because they always seem to just kind of um like oh how how are you like they're not really like worried or anything like that yeah. they're just straight away just like how are you or it couldn't possibly be you kind of yeah, thing like whoever you are so how are you doing kind of thing and they open up to this person like whenever they like kind of yeah. near that person and annie especially a lot and the nice thing about these two trips we take with annie down the yeah. road is that we really get to kind of know her which I think is probably more than anyone else in the film, is we get kind of an idea about who Annie is. Yeah, definitely. What a sense, like, what a sense of humour is, how she'd react, like, when uh, Enos in the truck starts to get a little bit, like, up, angry. Like, not angry, yeah. but, you know, he's, like, he's, he's getting frustrated hot. that she's not. Yeah, he's getting yeah. hot. He's getting uh, hot. <laughs> she, um, she kind of fights back with, like, a little bit of, like, sass, a bit of, a, like, yeah. Uh, yeah, but it's not really real, is it? Like, yeah, I really like Annie, man. Uh, so then but, as she goes through... And she jumps out the car and she's chased through the forest. And she kind of thinks she's got away, but she's hurt her ankle and she's not going that fast. And it's just such a quick, like, shot of it. Just, it's just the person, like, Mrs. Voris obviously just goes straight past and just slice, slice across the neck. And, the, and that effect looks so cool. It does. It looks natural. It, yeah. it really doesn't look like totally like, you know. The one thing that obviously stands out with these older films is that it basically looks like red paint and not yeah. blood. <laughs> 
but it does kind of it's better in this film though it's not the worst of like no, blood it, i've seen yeah it, but it, it looks good it, it does look good it is it kind of drops a little bit around his neck yeah. and you know it's a nice it's a really nice effect and that's a testament to just how talented tom savini is you know? it is yeah um yeah because he you know he was doing some of his finest work around this time yeah it i mean yeah, yeah. i mean We'll, we'll go into definitely Tom Savini a little bit later because he had such a big impact on this film yeah, in a lot of ways and a lot of good the best scenes are kind of <laughs> a lot of them are kind <laughs> of related him. to what he kind of thought yeah um so I mean obviously while all of this is going down people have been asking where's this Annie person who's it you know where yeah. is she gone and everyone's kind of getting to work Steve's gone off um there is a scene which they they built in to be like this is to show that the kids could stand up for themselves and that's the snake scene yeah when the snake's in the cabin and it's kind of meant apparently they put it in there purely because it's like this this scene is meant to be like they can stand up for themselves (laughs) they can kill a snake (laughs) so when half of the rest of the counselors goes almost all the counselors actually are in the room at that time but half of them suddenly just appear like out of nowhere like yeah i think kevin bacon's jack runs in with like a spade or something (laughs) or is it it might have been bill actually i'm not sure but one of them runs in yeah uh Oh, Bill's the one that's got the Bill's machete. The Bill's machete. the one that's in the room with yeah. Alice. And, Alice and yeah. Kevin, maybe Kevin Bacon. And then Kevin Bacon <laughs> runs in with like a spade or something. Um, <laughs> Typical Kevin it's Bacon. It's like, this was meant to show that they can look after this stuff. I'm not sure that's what no. really comes across in that it scene. It felt weird to me. Because um, it's just a random scene where they kill a snake. That's what I mean. Apparently that's what it was. But there's a bit of a, sh- a crappy background to this because uh, the budget couldn't afford a fake snake. Oh, no. So Cunningham, the director... That is a real snake that gets cut into bits. Oh, man. So they yeah. actually killed a real snake. I don't like that. And the reactions are real because the cast had no idea he was going to kill it at, in front of them. And some of them were rightly disgusted that that's what they yeah. just did. I mean, in those parts of America, things like that killing at that time as well, especially probably would have just been, for most, some of them would have just been, that's just an everyday, you know. Yeah. We, we kill snakes. We, we kill whatever's around. <laughs> we, we kill snakes. Get our M50, uh, just blast yeah. everyone to hell. But <laughs> Kevin Bacon kills snakes. <laughs> Kevin Bacon. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was kind of him, the director, who was the one who actually uh, okay. did the scene, the, yeah. the machete. Because you just see the hand over. Um, yeah, so it wasn't like, Savini didn't pop in for that bit or anything like that. <laughs> yeah. It was, Kind of, kind of was like, this is our only way to do it. Yeah. But that even more makes it kind of go like, oh, well, it wasn't really a needed scene. I don't think, no, it, I don't think it really mattered. For me, it feels like It wasn't worth it for that. You know, you didn't show that any of them are that strong. Yeah. <laughs> you especially didn't show that our actual main protagonist, Alice, is that strong, really. No. I guess it's to show that she builds from this kind of timid character to what she is at the end. Yeah. But, you know. Um, and then it's, all, it's followed. So that's a bit of a shit scene. Yes, it and is. it's followed by another shit scene. Yeah, I've literally got shit scene, <laughs> and um, the cop who arrives at the camp. Oh yeah. So it's just it just comes off. He he pops up and he's the act is not good. He just come he's comes in and he's got um, Ned's walking around in that um, it, like a Native American. Native. Hat, he calls him he? like yeah. Tonto. Yeah. Um, he's doing that, and uh, the the cop literally just so he comes over to like uh, Kevin Bacon's Jack character and go. Like, oh, what's this? You just you just come off a spaceship, Colombian gold man, weed hash, like just yeah. these these shit like lines <laughs> that no one would really ever say. Yeah. And um apart from telling us the only the only part that makes sense is that he's just there to tell us that Ralph at some point might pop up. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole point of the scene. Apart from that, it adds nothing. It's a pointless scene. Um and then it's it's also quite funny because as he drives off, it literally looks about three times like he's going to fall off that bike as he's trying to turn around. <laughs> yeah. like, he's not got control of that bike. And a little 
little behind the scene thing is that the writer said that this was not actually none of that was scripted it wasn't in any of his scripts and the uh, victor miller actually said that this scene betrays the idea of what his vision for the camp because the idea is the camp is completely cut off from the outside world yeah so if you've just got cops popping up randomly just to tell you that ralph's about <laughs> and ralph could just get you know, in and easily and then ralph just on his push bike as well it, it implies it's also like it make yeah exactly so how far's ralph come from the town <laughs> to thing that annie could have just walked down you know what i mean yeah so we just said i've got a backy with the whole point ralph. is that <laughs> If they're stuck, like later in the scene when you see Bill and Alice trying to like start the car and stuff like yeah. that, because they know that if they walk, it's too far. So it's kind of just like, yeah, it, it's it just doesn't work for the film. You know what I mean? It yeah. doesn't make sense. And I understand why he was a bit annoyed that apparently the it's the writer of um, part two who did that little script rewrite. Yeah. Um, which well, may, may talk about part yeah. two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah. Um, so yeah. And then, uh, oh. I've actually I've just got here. Let's talk about Crazy Ralph because then he pops up. So he yeah he just is he know. is he like shit or is he a savior? <laughs> I like I like Crazy Ralph, but he just kind of he there's just weird bits where he just pops up. You know, like he pops up in the he's like in a cupboard or something, isn't he? He's in like a room. They open yeah. the door and Crazy Ralph's He's just there. there. He's just there. And, they, and then he, all he does is do basically the same thing he did with Annie. He's just walk yeah. out and just tell him, you're it's, all going to die. You're all going to die. You're, you're doomed. doomed. You're doomed. <laughs> and it's kind of like, okay. Cheers, yeah, right, Crazy right. Ralph. I, he, I don't think he should. And goes off in his bike. I don't think he should have died later, to be honest. Like he does, Ralph. yeah. He is, is, a, is it the second part or third two? When he does, yeah. Part two, he gets a lot of the a lot of the side characters in part one get offed in part two. Ah, uh, yeah. Um, so yeah, he's he's just one of those. He gets strangled up against a tree. Yeah, Jason comes behind and strangles him with like wire from yeah. behind. I like Crazy Ralph. Man. Um, I liked a bit. Of, yeah, I liked a bit of Crazy Ralph. <laughs> Hashtag Crazy Ralph deserved better. And then we finally, well, Annie's already died, but we finally get to one of the new camp counselors dying, and this is Ned's off-screen yeah. death. Well, he sees somebody going into the cabin, doesn't he? He does, and this builds on that. What I was saying before is that. Um, not just that they trust, but a lot of the deaths come from like things that I could imagine a lot of people kind of reacting to. Like yeah. if you just see someone randomly walk in someone, or if you just thought someone was just behind a curtain and you're like, well, we're the only ones here. So who, who's in here or who's yeah. going or plus Ned as a character was, they all thought he was going to prank them somewhere anyway. He's a bit of an annoying character. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean? Um, but um, yeah, but, so you would yeah. kind of follow that. And I think that's, it kind of adds to the fact that it is someone who's just kind of doing like little sneak attacks. They're not, they're not going to overpower you if they're right in front of you. Well, until later. <laughs> yeah, and that's it. It's also, I think, um, if you were, you know, if if we were on a camp, like we somehow end up working on a camp together <laughs> for some reason. Me and you, camp counselor. Yeah, me and you end up in the Midwest of America, camp counselors for we're, some reason. Well, we only take up that role on Halloween night. Yeah, we do. So, <laughs> and then, but then, if I saw, you know, if I knew that, like, there was six of us there, and I saw somebody going into a cabin you might you could actually think oh maybe it's like maybe it's seb going into a cabin i'm gonna go see what he's doing yeah you yeah. know so it's, i think for me that didn't feel like out of place it no it doesn't feel out of place but at the same time it is disappointing that such a big a character who to this point is in quite a lot of the scenes and he has quite a lot of dialogue and he kind of pops up and he's quite an annoying character and i guess when you've got a big character like an annoying character I guess that's when you want them to have a big death where you're just yeah. kind of like, I want to see you die. Yeah. <laughs> it's bloodlust. <laughs> the bloodlust does fall. But unfortunately, you know that early, you know, 
most yeah. early deaths are going to be off screen, aren't they? Yeah. So we yeah we now we start to get into this is when the body count really just kind of kicks yeah. up. So now we're going to properly kind of get into these deaths, and it pretty much the next most important scene is Kevin Bacon's Jack makes and the Marcy. well makes the fuck <laughs> makes the fuck <laughs> he he rats, doesn't he? <laughs> Yeah, with awesome. uh, Marcy. With Marcy. Um, and uh, Ned's body is above them. You know? He is, in the bed, which is quite a nice little... It, yeah, like, it is quite cool. Is. Um, and, and, you there know, was Kevin, a rumour, apparently, Kevin that Kevin Bacon actually did the fuck. <laughs> he actually piped. Apparently. Oh. <laughs> there, there's a rumour online that apparently he actually did the fuck with Marcy. So. I, well, she's a good-looking lass. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised. <laughs> I mean, this is Kevin Bacon, man. Dude's a sexual icon. Kevin Bacon. He's pretty much, yeah. He's the only one that kind of came out of this as like a big, like... As a big star. Big star. You so. know, I, I always have this idea that, Ke- you know, Kevin Bacon is he's he doesn't know that he's in a film so he just like he just turns up like <laughs> hollow man is just him actually being like oh i'm a government scientist just being a rapist <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> i didn't think that out too much. sorry kevin <laughs> kevin bacon will be suing us yeah we're 100 percent getting sued by kevin bacon um but, that's but a, it's a cool scene, isn't it? It is. A, I mean, this is definitely the one of the best practical effects in the film with Tom yeah. Savini. So after they've done that, Marcy goes off to the bathroom. The rest of the councillors are playing strip Monopoly in the, in the yeah. uh, cabin. And, um, well, he's just lying there. Yeah, he, he gets himself a little a little blunt out. Yeah, yeah, he has a little blunt, doesn't <laughs> he? He does. He just sits there smoking. And then it's, it's sudden. It has a good effect because the hand just suddenly goes... <gasps> Right in front Grabs, of his head, yeah. holds him down, and then we just see something protrude out through Ugh. the skin. And yeah, this is me where my whole like holding my neck because like I've got friend, a, I've yeah. got a, you've got that fear. Like, that's a horrible like horrible death, I think. Horrible death is so beautifully done. It probably is the most iconic, possibly because it's Kevin Bacon, but it probably is the most iconic death from this film. I think. Yeah, I think it's the yeah, one definitely. that people remember the most. Yeah, because it's such a. It's, you know, it's such a testament to Tom Savini's skill. And I know for a fact that this is a really weird one. I've heard Kevin Bacon himself has said that this is how much this kind of still haunts him, is the fact that, weirdly, it's so iconic because when he signs autographs, he says the thing he most gets asked to sign are images of his dead body from (laughs) Friday the 13th. He said to this day, it's still Friday the 13th is the main autograph he gets asked to sign Damn, which is like after all of the films he's done yeah you know you'd think a bit of footloose or you know yeah can't just give them a blank picture for Holly <laughs> Man. yeah just a blank picture <laughs> <laughs> that'll be 600 pounds blank picture yeah but it's such an iconic death man isn't it, it is yeah i mean obviously we look back i did notice like oh his neck's quite long and it's quite discolored, so you can kind of see the line, which I don't remember seeing quite as clearly the last time I watched it. No, I can kind of not. spot it, but then I'm probably because I was looking for it. Yeah. Um. But yeah, it was an amazing design because Kevin B- Baker was like in the bed, had to be like in this crouched position in yeah. the bed. So they built the chest, and they built yeah, they built the body and, and built it all down, through, don't they? And um, obviously, Tom. So this was major Tom Savini because he didn't do every single bit of the effects Tom oh, Savini on no he did okay. he did the did main big, big effects yeah, okay. um, and there was a, a thing about the actual story where um, they only had one scene to do this oh, shit. they only had one neck one chest that's all they could afford so if Kevin Bacon fucked it up yeah. or if the effect didn't work that's it it was done they would have had to probably just try to cover it over and try <laughs> again Yeah. Um, so there's like there's Kevin Bacon crouched down into between the bed and he's having to be like, they're like, you're going to have to, the second it goes, you've got to roll those eyes, roll those eyes, yeah. bat boy. <laughs> and then um, 
Tom Savini. So another guy was there pushing it through, yeah. and underneath Tom Savini was working the blood pump. Yeah. And as they did it, the blood pump broke. Oh, I've heard this. And Tom yeah. Savini had to quickly. So you actually notice it if you. I looked back at the scene again after I'd found this out. Yeah. So I rewatched the scene, and you see the blood proper spurt out, and then it kind of just bubbles. Yeah. After that, and that's the bit when He's Tom Savini just it, yeah. grabs it and goes. Starts blowing like blowing yeah. into the tube to get the rest <laughs> yeah. of the blood out. But I think that kind of makes it look better, doesn't it? It does. It, it kind of adds a little. Like it, it looks splurt. like air's kind of coming as yeah. well, which adds to it. Yeah, it's kind of it's, um, it's such an iconic kill, man. It's so good. I mean, hopefully one day. I mean, uh, we're going to talk more about the F13 game, but hopefully one day when everything's sorted, we can get Kevin Bacon. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a Kevin Bacon camp counselor. <laughs> That'd be so. Oh, maybe one day. One day, um, and then. This is literally just where we're rolling off death. So Marcy's death. Marcy's death. Mar- another, probably my, probably my other, one of my other favourite deaths from this film. Um, not to say my official favourite. Yeah. Um, I like it apart from kind of this one moment. So Marcy and Kevin Bacon have just, have just made amazing love. You know, I imagine <laughs> Kevin Bacon makes amazing love. I imagine he fucks, he, he lays pipe. That's what you, you know. dream about. Right? <laughs> That's what I dream about. And Marcy's, you know, as she left Kevin Bacon, you know, she, she's going to the toilet to kind of spruce herself up. And, you know, and it's, it's a bit of a, quite a drawn out scene. And she hears the noise and she's going to look for it. And, you know, there are these free kind of curtains yeah. and she's pulling the curtains back, thinking he's got to be there playing a joke on her. Um, Pulls the first one back, nothing. Pulls the second one back, nothing. And then she kind of gives up, doesn't she? And she turns around, and then you see an axe rise up, yeah, and just whoosh, goes into her face. Yeah, the uh, there is a, the nice thing I like about this is one um, in a very psycho style, like the yeah. knife in Psycho behind the curtain. You see the axe in the shadow, yeah, like a do. really nice shot of the axe coming down, and you don't actually you don't actually see it so much. It cuts it's, to oh, yeah. cuts to a shot. Of of the axe in the, the face, axe in yeah. the face, but you do think that you've seen that. Yeah, you f- it's it's like yeah, it's you like because you don't actually see it go in, but because of the way they've done it and it partially kind of being into the face, yeah. you kind of look at it and go, oh, I think I just saw that go in. And like, you see oh the eye, her eye twitched. Don't yeah, you? and it, it looks really. I still think that one out of all of them, like as I said, Kevin Mayne is still like a little bit aged, but that one I thought it still looks just yeah. as good today. The one thing I don't like about that scene yeah. is. So you see the axe in the air, and then you s- there's like a split, maybe a split second, second and a half, two seconds, yeah. where you just hear Marcy scream. Oh yeah, and uh, oh, I d- yeah, I don't feel I noticed that. And actually. it feels for me, it feels really disjointed because if I turned around and I saw somebody had raised an axe up, <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, you did. I think you'd react. Yeah. And if you listen to, you know, if you listen to the Halloween retrospective. Where I talk about one of you know one of the uh, characters in in Halloween Two dying, for me it feels so weird. Like when a horror character who's dying almost allows it to happen to them. Yeah. So she screams, but she's stood she stood there. She yeah, doesn't she react. Doesn't, uh, yeah, she doesn't try and put her hands up. She doesn't try and defend <laughs> herself. She just screams, and it fe- it just feels really off for me. Yeah. That's the one thing. There I don't are like one or two bits scene. when I do think, even with like say Annie's. Where I do just keep thinking you're running, but at the same time you are r- in. When we think of when we think about who Mrs. Voorhees is, is the killer, you suddenly think, 
you are still running from a woman who is like in a f- looks like you might be able to take her. Mate, yeah, like, I, I'd say she looks well. She looks pretty but butch actually. But <laughs> well, she's she's pretty strong at the end. But yeah, I still think yeah, I see what you mean. Like, I feel like you would try to do something to stop yeah. it. You'd put your hands in the way. You do, hands so, you know. I mean, yeah. But for me, that I mean, that scene is brilliantly done. Amazing special effects. Seeing the eye twitch after is great. But it's just that. It's just that split, you know, second, two seconds, where there's almost, it's just Marcy allowing her to die. Yeah. That, you know, allowing herself to die. For me, that just brings the scene down. But I love the scene, all, all, you know, in its entirety. Yeah. Um. So, um, as I said, we just keep basically rolling for it. Bren- Brenda was, is the next one to go. Yeah. And it's not too long after she leaves the, the other camp counsellors when it starts pouring it's pouring down rain and she's like, oh, they, yeah. she's, they need to go and sort something out. So she goes out, um, but she doesn't go out just to inspect things. She just then goes back to her, her yeah. cabin after going to the bathroom. Although she doesn't follow the same, whereas Marcy followed the little twitch. It implies that Mrs. Voorhees is actually still in there because yeah. the curtain moves a little, but she doesn't follow it. She doesn't go for that old trope of, oh, I don't need to go and check that. There's nothing yeah. else there. Let's go. So this is why I kind of like Brenda a little I bit love more. Brent. I love Brenda. Brenda's too. probably my favorite counselor of the bunch yeah. of them. And again, for me, a higher Annie, Brenda, both more interesting than our protagonist, who yeah. we again, we'll talk about the little protagonist. We'll be, we'll be getting to her. Um, but yeah, I really liked her. Um, I put the word spunky, which is not, <laughs> I, I, I yeah, literally couldn't think of what word to use for her. Um, <laughs> But she doesn't fall for a lot of these little gullible traits. And I think the part that does get her um, is that obviously a gut reaction, which is, again, something you would do, which is you hear a child saying, help me. I love that so much. It's so creepy. It is really creepy. It's I like really forgot about done. this scene. Yeah, so did I. And yeah, so he's saying, help me. Help me, help me, please help me. So you, you, that would bring someone out, you know, especially if they're going to be a camp girls looking after kids. They're suddenly be like, what? I think What's you going would. on? You know yeah. what I mean? You'd go out there. Um, so she's not, it doesn't feel like she's like gullible as much as, say, Marcy is or some other characters in this film. She, yeah. She just kind of, yeah, I'm going to go and see what's going on. And, um, you know, and I also like the fact that you kind of know that that is actually Jason. The voice is. I was listening to when we get to the end I was listening to Betsy Palmer's like Jason voice that she does yeah. and it's almost like is it Mrs. Voorhees doing it just to creep them or has she literally gone into that weird little split Yeah, this is Jason calling out to her kind of thing which is a nice little you know play on later on when you think yeah. oh that could actually be Jason's the one who's kind of I, in her mind yeah. her split personality is that version of Jason not, yeah. not the actual Jason no. because that's not clear in this no film. definitely not um, so yeah, this is where I actually fought uh, Brenda. So I thought she went out into the rain. She gets into that, ar- and I actually thought she got hit by an arrow. I always remember and that I, as well. That's what I always thought it was. I thought the foreshadowing at the beginning yeah. when she almost gets hit. But although it's implied that that is where she dies, I actually thought we get, saw her get basically like I don't know why. I thought I remembered someone getting pinned up against one yeah. of those things. I it don't might, know if that's in another film. It might be I don't know. One, but I remember. Yeah, I remember that happening. Um, yeah, but so, the whole scene is, I think, masterfully done because she goes to, you know, she follows this voice, which is pretty, it's pretty creepy. It is really creepy. And then she goes to the archery stand, which is foreshadowing, you know, was foreshadowed in the earlier scene. And then the light comes on, doesn't it? All the lights at the stand come on. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then it cuts off and it, you know, so you know what's going to happen. You know what's going to happen. <laughs> it does happen off screen. Yeah. Um, but it, it, I guess it comes back around later in a quite good way yeah um so let's discuss as we were talking about alice let's discuss alice as the final girl 
What do you think of Alice? I I think she's personally. I I thought she was really bland. Yeah. I didn't. I I really didn't buy her as a final girl. The only the thing I did like is in the when in the scene just before she find out you know who who the killer is and before the big twist when she's being chased and, she, and it's an unknown assailant and she's she's in the main cabin and you know she ties something around the door yeah. and she starts blocking it up that for me felt like a really smart move yeah i was like yeah that's pretty smart like try and defend yourself but for the most part i just thought she was she was quite a bland kind of yeah. nothing character i do think really. she she does do a lot of smart moves towards the end and she yeah. does kind of come out a bit more when it is the reveal and it's her versus mrs Vorey's. yeah so it is it, it, she does try better and she does become stronger I guess it's because it feels like even though we've heard his talk, we haven't really learned anything about her. Yeah. So I think so, the whole her growing and her showing this kind of strength throughout the film, it, it it's not built up. It's well. not built up. You can tell that maybe they're trying to make her the, the quaint thing like you know, like Laurie Strode, maybe yeah. as they were so influenced by Halloween for this film. Um but unlike Laurie where we spend so much time with her and get to know her, we don't really. Yeah. So I don't Alice really doesn't know really why have a whole she lot. Of, she doesn't have a whole lot of screen time. Does and then, she? if you're going to have not too much with them, you need to be like, like Brenda, yeah. or like Annie, where you actually kind of get that kind of a little bit of that attitude to kind of be like yeah. warm to them a bit. You know, and what they, I mean? they are a bit kind of stereotypical in their way. You know, they are, yeah. But it it works because it's kind of like okay, we might only see this character for X amount of screen time, but because they're a bit they're a bit exaggerated in some of yeah. the mannerisms or the way in which they are. It's kind of like, okay, so they're a bit more identifiable. Yeah. And and for me, Alice just kind of falls by the way. And it is, it, this bit when we're mainly just following Alice and Bill is where I kind of felt the film hit a little bit of a, like a slog. Yeah. A little bit of a, although they're moving around, it just feels like you see, you just follow them for a long time, moving to lots of different locations, checking things, which is like, okay, I get it. This is kind of like a bit of exposition to show that, yes, there's nowhere there's for them to go yeah. and that they can't find anyone else and things like that. But I didn't really find it worked. I feel like that whole could have been done quite suspensefully or quite creepily, or, you know, you could have had more watching or things like yeah. that kind of thing. But I also feel like a lot of that could have been covered in a couple of quick scenes and a lot of them are longed out for quite a while. That is where I felt a little bit of a dip because we'd had such a, I think as Sean Cunningham actually said that he wanted this to kind of be like a roller coaster ride. Yeah, and it's, it's very much like that, isn't it? You know, it's like a, like you, you build for a while with like Annie and think that you have a bit of a bump thing and then you really build with all the deaths and it does feel like it proper goes down. Yeah. And it's not until Mrs. Voorhees comes in that it returns. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where we were with that. And, you know, so it was a bit, you know, with Steve in the car, I like that he had like a little separate storyline. But again, we got a lot of exposition in those scenes, I felt. Yeah, I do kind of With him, the cops. I do like the fact that they give him like a separate storyline and it's quite hard for him to get back to the camp, which does build that it's not easy to get to the camp. And not only that, but um, obviously Steve knows Miss Voorhees. Yeah. Which is good because if he was at the camp, then... You know, he'd just be like, what's Miss Voorhees doing here? Yeah. <laughs> like, go away. But then his death comes, and obviously he's back at the camp. Yeah. And, and he recognises... Within moments, is. he's dead yeah, from I getting re- back at the camp. I really like that, because he recognises the killer. You yeah. Know? And I think I like it. And there's a, there's a line that Miss Voorhees has, and when we get to that scene, I'll mention it, but it's it's just a really nice line, I think. It is a bit, yeah. I, I did find him a little bit... I, I, I laughed a little bit at it because although I like the fact that he recognises Miss Voorhees, also his like, dialogue is a bit like... It's so... A bit non-committal. 
Yeah, you know what I mean? It's a bit, a little bit like, oh, it's you. Like, that person yeah. I may or may not know <laughs> yeah. from some unknown time yeah. or location. It's like, definitely, like, I can't I can't say, oh, it's you, Mrs. Voorhees. Mrs. Voorhees, you killed all these yeah. people. Oh, hey. That's the big twist. <laughs> yeah. Wink, wink. Yeah. It is a bit like an Oblivion NPC, isn't it? Where he's like, yeah. oh, you're here. Hello. And <laughs> it's just a bit, yeah, it's a bit NPC-ish. So let's, um, let's build to the finale. Yeah. So Betsy Palmer. Betsy Palmer as Mrs. Voorhees. I mean, I like, I, I think she does it really well yeah, I think she's as great. Mrs. Voorhees. I mean, I think she's really believable as someone that they trust and someone, you know, that it looks nice. And her, the way that she kind of flips in the character yeah, is really quite nice. I, it's not, it could be something that was really hammy and cheesy. Yeah. But it's, with her, it's kind of like, it's in the eyes. Like, they're really kind of creepy when they think but she's, you know she's a good act- actress she is a, a very good actress was, what was she in before because obviously this was quite a big kind of snag for them if i remember if i remember reading it correctly i think so i haven't i haven't actually got the phone i was going to look at that and i didn't and that's uh, a that's a my bad <laughs> yeah uh, because i knew she had a big theater background yeah because she was yeah she was a broad she was a broadway actress at one point so i she was more theater she'd yeah. been stuff in the uh, in the 40s and 50s i believe uh, but she was more theater based um which kind of links to the way she is in like certain scenes yeah. um but i love when she turns up you know, and she's like, "Oh, oh, yeah, what's hi, going? dear, it's it's me, <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Miss Voorhees, an old friend of the Christies." Yeah, like that I love that. You know, it's so good. Yeah, it's so good the way she's like that. But I also like the way you just see little cracks yeah. at a certain point, like as if she's annoyed and she's like, as if she's waiting for her moment or something like that. She yeah, kind of slowly, and the more they kind of talk between them as they're walking back into the cabin, the more she breaks a little bit, or a character kind of gets yeah. a little bit angry about the the counselors that drowns that poor boy or like yeah. Yeah, all those kind of things they or, were making love <laughs> yeah like, so um, Steve sh- Mr. Christie shouldn't have be reopening this and breaks yeah. and then she goes back to the nice but that's okay <laughs> you know, it's it, fine it's, it's good because obviously when I imagine if you were in that situation and you saw like a, a little old lady turn up yeah. you would probably be like oh man this is That's great. Right. And yep. she's got a car. I'm getting out of it. And then yeah. she comes into the, you know, into the cabin and you would probably feel really reassured. Yeah. And then you could see that Alice starts to get a bit like, Ooh, okay, she's she, a bit weird. She's a bit of a nutter. And, and then, yeah. then we get into the breaking, which is re- I really like the bit when she breaks between the voice of child, her child, yeah. Jay- Jason, and parents, or who at least whoever they're trying to portray yeah. Jason again is very yeah. unclear in this, in yeah. the, in some ways. Um, but I, it's just like I said, the facial expression and the eyes, and they kind of go from like when she's Jason, there's kind of like this innocent, like big eyed look. And then the second she flips back to Mrs. Voorhees, it's kind of like determined to hunt yeah. kind of thing. Um, so I really like that. And then we get to obviously freaking out, escaping, running, lots of chasing. And Mrs. Voorhees shows herself to be quite a strength. Yeah. Um, oh, Deceptive. Uh, yeah. We, uh, there was one thing we skipped before this was the Brenda got thrown through the window. Oh, yeah. So we, some of the bodies are get, yeah, already, already in there because Bill is kind of shot up against one of the walls, yeah. isn't he? And then and Brenda gets yeeted through the window. Steve in a bit of a... I didn't really... Uh, it's a jump scare, but I, it just didn't really logically make sense to me where Steve kind of just comes down, like, randomly. She's just yeah. running. Like, there's nothing to really cause him to suddenly drop. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's a jump scare. I get it. But it was just a yeah. bit like... 
how the frick did they get you up there? <laughs> like, yeah. that, like in that quick without Alice noticing something. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then you do think this is Mrs. Voorhees, so she threw Brenda through a window. But I think that works because you because that happens before the reveal. So yeah, you that's what I mean. It's... It worked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those like you look back. But as I said, those are kind of the two exceptions I could think of. The rest of them being like sneak attacks and stuff like that. I could actually le- legitimately yeah. believe that that was Mrs. Voorhees. It was only Brenda and Steve where I thought, oh, thrown through a window, hanging from a tree. Don't know if that would completely work. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, you got uh, a suspended yeah. disbelief. Maybe yeah, she's got super strength. <laughs> um, like her later son like her baby boy. Um, so, yeah. Um, so the fight sequence is really quite cool. Yeah, where they're properly cool. going into each other. And Mrs. Vora's character. And um, there was a whole thing with them where they actually wear Betsy Palmer. And um, they're actually playing Alice. Um, actually, so when they were rehearsing it, um, Betsy Palmer, for being from a Broadway and theatrical background, like some of them were, said, like, on the stage, you actually hit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you actually hit. So Alice went along with it thinking, oh, she's a big actress. I guess I should listen to what she says. Yeah, I'm just gonna so when it got to the bit when she slaps the crap out of her, Betsy Palmer actually slapped the crap out of her. Uh, yeah. To the point where she started crying. Fuck. And Sean... Come in and had to like quickly like rush in and be like, "What are you doing?" Like, <laughs> yeah. It was like, it was like she she was like, "We're doing doing it properly." And We're he was like, and, and uh, he was like, "No, in films we fake it. We don't <laughs> actually beat the crap out of each other." But apparently, she kept she kept breaking that accidentally. But. So apparently, um, it's Adrian. I can't remember her last name off the top of my head. Um, anyway, uh, who plays Alice? Adrian um, King. Adrian King. Um, she said that she had to basically start fighting back because she was like if i don't fight back she's literally gonna beat me to a pulp she's gonna kill me so this old this old woman we're talking about legitimately was beating the crap out of alice yeah beating her like she was like pushing around throwing her against things slapping her like literally to the point where she said she had to so when alice starts like pushing back or hitting her back that's that was not in the script. That was Adrian King going, fuck off. <laughs> like, leave me alone. <laughs> leave me alone. Man. Try to act, not get beaten on. Um, and yeah, uh, I mean, just thinking back to, uh, oh, actually, I just thought about the F13 game again. I, I'd love again to have Pam the Boris. Yeah, but that would have been awesome, man. Like, especially if she had like bits where her voice changes to yeah. like child to thing. That would be a cool little effect to have in the game. Yeah, it would have been awesome, man. But we'll um, touch on the game a little bit later. We'll talk a little bit. I've got a bit about the lawsuit too. Oh, yeah, <laughs> so we'll touch on that because that's a, that's why we're being so like, um, if we could, yeah. if you don't know. Um, but yeah, so the f- female killer, killer. Now, so we build with, they finally get to outside and Alice thinks she's de- like got rid of her for a, a moment. Yeah. She tries to get away. Mrs. Voorhees returns and she grabs, it's the machete, right? Yes. The yeah, it's the machete. Classic, classic machete. Um, and well, after a bit more beating in, <laughs> beating from Betsy Pop, um, she slices her head off. Yeah, in one swoop, and that and then it kind of goes into a bit of a slow motion thing. It does, yeah, it? that's so cool. And it's a it's a cool effect because they've still got her hands moving. Yeah, they have her hands are like going up and down, and so it's the actual actress's hands where they've just obviously put the bit on top of it. But again, yeah. another cool effect from Tom Savini there. Yeah, he's the man. Um, so yeah, the the real game changer, the like, it was a bit of a, a twist, you know, yeah. to have this. The the mother is the killer, 
is a bit of a an female killer because it's not only that throughout the film that people trust her and you understand why people trust her because not only she's an old lady but females and stuff like that you know like a lot of the serial killers in other films it was always male and yeah in real life it was mainly males yeah. who were the murderers so it was quite an interesting to have this kind of it's yeah it was a good dynamic that they explored you know and that's why it's you know the, the twist is probably so well remembered yeah i think so and it it's uh, I, I thought about it as a when i was talking about psycho mrs bates yeah. is it's the son becomes the mother kind of the and this is like the reverse so yeah. it's quite a nice reverse little engineered nice little jump back yeah. yeah and i guess we finally get alice in that scene as well she gets to show she's like a more powerful than we maybe expected her to be um but yeah it's a it's a good ending but yeah <laughs> it's a good ending but obviously it's not that kind of jason and things like that but uh then we build with alice goes out on the boat she goes out on the boat and this is uh this is actually a point from our producer Dan, uh, that he he mentioned the other day and made me think about it. Uh, the film goes a scene too far. Yeah, definitely. So this is not even mine. This is Dan's thoughts that the jump scare with the possible Jason pump pumping pumping. <laughs> they do. <laughs> Alice does not. Have, not Alice a scene does not, Jason yeah. pumping. <laughs> Alice does not engage in pedophilic <laughs> sex with Jason at the end. There's of the film. a twist for you. <laughs> I killed your mama. Fuck so. your son. <laughs> <laughs> that that does not happen. That is not. That is not a twist which happens in the film. <laughs> okay. Jason jumping out of the water and as he grabs Alice and pulls her into the water, which is an, it's a great jump scare. It's a su- and it's so iconic. It's such it? a good scene. So much so that I'm not surprised that people forget that that's not the end, because I thought that was the end of the film. And me. And me. And then we go on for about a couple more minutes where she wakes up and it's all a dream, which apparently Cunningham wanted it to be a dream. He didn't want that to be legitimate. Well, yeah, well, um, it makes sense timeline-wise, I guess. Possibly. I mean, yeah, but it just takes away, doesn't it? That it was does. a great little cliffhanger thing. Is Alice dead? Is she alive? Yeah. Is Jason alive? Is that Jason? We don't, you yeah, know, we don't know. This, it still leaves yeah, some question mark. Um, and it does. It just kind of ruins that flow by just taking it one step too far. Yeah. And Tom Savini himself uh, stated the whole reason for the cliffhanger at the end uh, was he'd just seen Carrie. Yeah. Which has that, like, oh, the hand comes yeah. out at the end, you know. That's and, so cool. And so we thought we needed a chair jumper like that. And it was Tom Savini's idea with like a, he came with a makeup f- a yeah. version of an example concept art of Jason and said, this is why this is Jason. Why don't it, we yeah. try this? Yeah. Um, so Tom Savini is to thank for actually introducing the idea, Jason idea yeah. into that film. Um, but yeah, it's, it's an amazing jump scare and it is just that one step too far. Yeah. Because when then the, you know, the ending scene is Alice in the hospital and it's, it's revealed that, what happened with Jason jumping out, putting her into the water is a dream. Um, and, she, you know, she's kind of saying, well, what happened to the boy? Where's the yeah. boy? And the, the hospital, you know, the, the like, doctor. What the fuck are you on like, about? Yeah, what are you about, pal? He just says, you know, there, there is no boy. We didn't find one. And then Alice just goes, he's still out there. Yeah. And then it ends. And, like, and it has that yeah. slow music again over the lake. And it's yeah, like, oh, yes, it's peaceful ending. And then you're almost expecting Jason to, to possibly jump out again. out again. And it doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And it, that's just kind of, oh, all right. Yeah, it, it we went go. on that's for a end. scene too far for me. Um, so what is your best death? So my f- favorite death is actually Brenda. I know it's off screen. And usually I'm not overly massive on off screen deaths because I think they, they're often not done too well. Yeah. Uh, the whole scene it was just 
so creepy when she goes to investigate. And although I do remember her having an on-screen death, yeah, it was just it was just so creepy and just so well done. I, it I like is the a great setup, scene. you know. It's um, definitely the best setup for a death in the film. Yeah. What about um, yourself, Eep? Mine. I mean, it, it probably was, it was probably Kevin Bacon's purely because. My old weird neck. Yeah, your weird like. neck thing. And not only that, it's just the one that I remembered the most out of any of them. Um, even though Marcy's is great and Mrs. Vory's as well as a death oh, that's a great is, death, yeah. you know, they're all it is those practical death that really stood out to me. Yeah. But yeah, I think I think it's Kevin Bacon. Um, even with feeling sorry for Annie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> she was my she was my close second with yeah, Annie's just because I felt so bad for her. Yeah, and I really liked her character, man. Yeah. Um. So. Um. So it was a it's a solid film. Yes, it's worth watching as well. It's definitely worth revisiting on this 40th anniversary year. Yeah. And it's aged quite well. It's aged probably better than I was actually expecting it to be, to be fair. Yeah, Um, same here, man. I did really enjoy it. Like I said, you know, I kind of, I always skip one, two, and three for some reason. Yeah. Because for me, um, Friday the 13th, it could be split into two different kind of, two sagas almost. So you have When Jason is Alive. And then you have when Jason is reanimated. Yeah. You know, and for me, I think this film is almost the opposite of things like Halloween and Nightmare on Elm Street, where they start off amazing and then there's kind of a drop off in quality. Yeah. Whereas for me, it starts off okay. And then by the fourth one, by the time you hit the fourth one, it it kind of it, fit, it knows what it is and it starts to get better and it's more fun from there. So it's almost I like think, a yeah, I think there's a bit of a, for the first couple of these, there's a bit of a finding its identity. Obviously, yeah. we don't even get the iconic Jason until part three. Yeah, definitely. You know, and then one or two after that, we get a fake out Jason yeah. and things like that. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I, I think definitely when he's reanimated, it kind of is like, this is just schlocky horror. You were building up the teens. They're going to die. You know what I yeah. mean? And that's what it kind of becomes. But this first one in that way is same with the, teen same with the counselor but it's not i guess it had different intentions yeah um so and it's the same reason that victor miller only wrote the first one and then they kind of changed it quite a bit from there so he's not really you know um so let's talk a little bit about a couple of behind the scenes like you know we love behind the scenes we love those little bits um so um the original uh screenplay for this was actually titled a long night at camp blood um, and while working on a redraft of the screenplay, Cunningham uh, pr- proposed the title of Friday the 13th, after which Miller began redeveloping. Uh, but the interesting thing about this is that Cunningham rushed out to place an advert in Variety, an American where loads of companies like post yeah. all of their big drafts. And uh, using the title Friday the 13th, he had a production company actually coming in, like make put together like a title and like a poster. Yeah. They put that in Variety. Purely to, because of how big Halloween had been, he was like, we put this out and someone want to buy it. There was no screenplay at this point. <laughs> there was nothing in place. You just he, had, he just liked the idea of a film called Friday the 13th. Originally, he wanted to make a children's film and Friday the 13th came up and he said, nah, that doesn't really sound like a children's film. Yeah. But when he put that poster up, he didn't have a clue what the frick this was going to be. That is amazing. That's um, such a gamble. So, yeah, he had to avoid some little lawsuits and things like that when people started saying, oh, yeah, I'll buy this for you. And then he started looking at the deal and going, you haven't actually got anything yet, have you? <laughs> <laughs> um, but finally, it did get to the point when, you know, 
that the poster that was released, by the way, was the same as the opening credits, which is the big, yeah, the big block with the Friday the Thirteenth breaking through glass. That was that was what he sold it as, um, and yes, he ended up selling it for a very big deal because, as again, this was a big rush because of the success of Halloween. He wanted to get in there while it was well, the going was good yeah, <laughs> for slasher yeah. films, you know, um, and uh, it's re it's well documented. Um, the reason that none of the people return for the sequels is because, to be honest, this was just their way, like, we can make money off this. If we rush bones, it, let's yeah. make some money. So Victor Miller, Sean S. Kerenham, even even Tom Savini wasn't that, that interested, apparently, originally in coming back. Um, they didn't care. And Kerenham, apparently, he just grabbed some theatre kids. They didn't really care if they could act that well. <laughs> he just wanted, as long as they could read, <laughs> they'd do. So I would fail. Yeah. <laughs> I would not get yeah, the part. Yeah, you would not get the part. I'm a great actor, I just can't read. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. Um, do you want to read our next little behind-the-scene? Yeah. Um, uh, Hark's back. Yeah. <laughs> Hark. Um, so the iconic uh, Scream character, Casey Becker, obviously played by Drew Barrymore in the opening credits. Um, you know... Um, what? <laughs> so she was. Uh, Who was the killer scream. in the first Friday the Thirteenth scene? Yeah, she was the uh, killer. Yeah, she talks about who's the killer in the first. So we've already oh, we yeah, have already sorry, mentioned dude, about this. Yeah, yeah. but I'm really um, confused reading. Yeah, that it's all right. <laughs> we are reading this off a slight. Yeah. These bits are off a bit of a script. Yeah, that, so that, that there's going to be little mistakes here. Yeah, and there. that was re- that was just me not being able to read. <laughs> I make a joke about not being able to read, and then, and I then I can't you can't read. read. So um, yeah, the iconic uh, scream character. Uh, Casey Becker. Um, she actually revealed who the the killer is at the first Friday the Thirteenth scene. Of, I fucked that again, man. It's all right. Much happier. <laughs> um, it's a yeah, a homage. It's a homage to um to to, to Sean S. Cunningham from Wes Craven. Yeah. Uh, because obviously Wes Craven hit his big break with uh, Last House on the Left in 1971, which was produced by Sean S. Cunningham. Yeah. So he, he did him a little throwback, you know. Yeah. And it, I mean. So basically, we have him to thank for Wes Craven, Nightmare on Elm Street, because if he hadn't got his big break and Scream and many other... Many, many of us. (laughs) If he hadn't given his big break, then we may not have had the beautiful Wes Craven's work. Yeah. Um, So yeah, as we've already talked about, the film we released in the... It had a huge bidding war, Paramount Pictures, Warner Brothers. Everyone after Halloween was like, we want this picture Uh, with big... 500,000 might not sound like a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but to finally get the distribution rights, Paramount got it with a 1.5 million purchase and they put in an extra 500,000 for advertisements and when the film was really successful, they put even more money, pushed even more money into it. So for a low-budget film, we've, we've mentioned about the box office. I mean, for a low-budget film, 59.8 million. That's great. That is a big... It did 20 million internationally, which isn't a common thing yeah. um at that time they wouldn't normally put little independent films like that into international markets back in the 1980s but they did it for this one and it made dollar dollar bill <laughs> it did make dollar dollar bill man. i mean halloween was what like three hundred thousand, and that made about 60 to 70 or something like that so yeah. these you know cheap to make a lot of bones man yeah um so tom savini yeah um so, yeah, Tom Savini was hired to design the film's special effects uh, based upon his work in George A. Romero's Dawn of the Dead, which is classic. I mean, the effects yeah. are that far. There's awesome. a great documentary on uh, Shudder about Tom Savini. I can't oh, remember the name of it off my head. 
Um, but it's really good. It goes in from the start of his kind of career, how he got into it. And it does cover Dawn of the Dead, how he, you know, some of the kills he just made up on the spot to do fixed continuity. Yeah, yeah. Friday the 13th, it touches on, it touches on a lot as, of his career. Yeah, as we mentioned, he's, he he seems to be quite good on his, like, he's, quick he's reactions, quick thing, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's really, really good. Um, so, yeah, we've, we've mentioned about the music is fantastic. The score yeah. is brilliant it does use some bits there is one scene where it's like you know what i mean this is a bit um um and do you know the whole why it's the yeah do you do you know the story behind why it is the uh why it uses the word kiki ma 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 is it because it's supposed to be kill 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 ma 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 yeah so it's like work on like kill 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 mummy mummy like mummy 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 kill 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 because a lot of people think it's don't they yeah i mean man free even said everybody thinks it's cha 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 that's it that's weird and he said he was like his reaction was like cha 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 what are you on about apparently he was on like a talk talk show or interview or so someone said cha cha the classic cha 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 and he was like it's not cha cha cha. <laughs> yeah. Like, what are you on about? <laughs> well, until I properly, until I read that and listened to it ages ago, I thought it was cha cha cha. You know? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> so I could see how that happens. Um. Uh, yeah. So. And not counting Freddy versus Jason, uh, the first film is still the most successful of the entire franchise at the box office and critically. Uh, but it was still deemed weak and uh, uninspired compared to its, you know, its predecessors, Halloween, Peeping Tom, and Psycho. That did ultimately inspire it. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's a, it's a big success. I mean, I understand why. Yeah, Freddy vs. Jason is kind of a different thing. You know, you got two stars together. But yeah, it's, it's it's it was surprising to me to find that out that yeah. it was actually still the most successful of the franchise. Yeah, same here. Yeah, so it's made quite a bit. And I, I, if you do it for, like, inflation, it would have been something like 180-odd million, Damn. which is pretty good. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, like, that's like Halloween 2018 money. Yeah, that is money. Yeah. Um, so one thing we said we'd bring on is the lawsuit. Um, so, yeah, the lawsuit, uh, the Sean S. Cominan versus Victor Miller. So it's the director versus the screenwriter. Yeah, which is, which is kind of mad. A bit shitty, isn't it? Yeah, yeah especially as... Although uh, Cunningham had still had like the Cunningham has owned the rights to F thirteen and like Jason, um, f- well for all these years, um, so he has the cut. Co- but apparently now, and this is something that's happening a lot. Copyright law expires after thirty five years, allowing original creators or writers to take back control, which is where all of this shits come from. Yeah, well apparently that's you know, there's a, that's why there was like. One of the most recent Hellraisers was made just to hold on to the rights. Yeah, a lot of a lot. Uh, apparently, the, the Predator was made just to hold on to the rights. Quite yeah. a few of them held just so to make. Clive Barker is actually trying. Yeah, Clive Barker is actually trying to get back uh, Hellraiser. His yeah. comes up next year. Will be his thirty fifth year. So he should be able to try and get it back. Even though they're trying to put two in production really quickly. Yeah. to try and avoid that. Um, and I what I didn't actually realize that Wes Craven family actually reown. Yeah, they've got it back now. Yeah, and, and apparently there's two. Two people, two different companies who are talking to Wes Craven's estate um, about making a new film. Yes. One, of, one of them is Elijah Wood's studio. Oh yeah, we we, we mentioned this in an early ep- Possibly, episode, yeah. I believe. Yeah, and I'm not sure who the other one is. I I want to say Bloomhouse, but I don't think it is. But there is no. there is one of the bigger studios. Yeah, which I is think so. Pitching ideas for it. Um. So yeah. Um. But I found out a few things I didn't actually know about this lawsuit is that Victor Miller actually had won. The okay. case, 
um, and gain back control. Um, but I have kind of put, is this good? Because Miller has said he hates the sequels and he hates the fact that they turned Jason into this hockey-wearing creature. Yeah. So if he actually is the one that owns the rights, I mean, maybe just based on money, like the original film, he'll still keep short, you know, throwing them out there. Yeah. But I don't know if it's the best hands for someone. At least Cunningham's kind of said that he actually likes the direction and Cunningham came back for like Jason Goes to Hell yeah. as producer and things like that and Freddy versus Jason. So he's still been involved, whereas Victor Miller has been writing soap operas for the last, <laughs> so however, like yeah. 35 years. And I've heard another thing which kind of complicates it is because obviously um, Victor Miller, he wrote obviously the... He wrote the story, yeah, but that doesn't include Jason Voorhees as no. as he is in second, the most iconic version, moments, yeah, the most iconic one. So apparently, that obviously kind of that's where it's kind of come back in, well. and that's yeah. where Cunningham's trying to get his claws back in by doing the appeal. Yeah. Um, so the appeal was in February 2020, and that bastard COVID oh, has actually stopped them from deciding man. where that will end, which could yeah. have ended it once and for all, which means everything could have gone back into production. Oh. But we're waiting now on them to decide, but apparently they still think it will go to Miller because they'd say that he was the original writer. But they are saying that the Jason thing probably means that he won't own that version of yeah. Jason, okay. which means they'd be able to make more Jason films in a separate way, but they wouldn't be able to use Friday the 13th. They wouldn't be able to use or things involved with it, such Camp. as Camp Crystal Lake, or they wouldn't use uh, reference to his mother being a killer or any yeah. of that stuff, which doesn't come up too often. Even the camp counsellors things might even be preaching on it. And this is another problem for our lovely little game. Yeah. Because it would mean that basically, unless Miller's on board with it, because if one person owns one part and one person the other, yeah. that kills the F13 uh, game because they have both of those elements in their game. Yeah. Um, or they'd have to completely change the, the setting, which would just ruin. <laughs> you yeah, know? that would. Um, so that's a nice little segue into what is our little part three of this, which is our legacy. Yeah, because obviously, you know, the, the, the film was that successful that it spawned 11 sequels. Like we said, it, that included a uh, a crossover with Freddy Krueger of Nightmare on Elm Street fame and a reboot in 2019. Yeah. Uh, Jason also took a, a trip to space, which was pretty cool, um, <laughs> which I love. Um, but Jason's voice in the film series in general did become and kind of are pop culture icons. I mean, personally, I was able to identify Jason and the hockey mask with him kind of before I even saw the films. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. It definitely is. It was that kind of... Uh... I knew what he looked like. I didn't uh, before I even probably knew what the film was from. Yeah. I'd known his character from all kinds of areas. I think my um, childhood friend when when we went trick or treating once when we were about seven eight went as Jason Voorhees. None of us had seen the films, but he went as I don't know if he's, he was Jason Voorhees, but he went yeah. as Jason. You know because it was such an iconic kind of thing, and it still is. You know, it's, it's kind of weird though, isn't it? That uh, like the legacy is mainly based around like our main man Jason in his iconic if we're talking about the legacy it is that version of the character yeah um in the hockey mask uh, but it's, it is weird as we've said that in part 3 a 3D horror film <laughs> at its cheesiest is when this iconic version was born yeah with two prior successful horror films before it but that those two other versions of Jason were kind of just pushed aside yeah. you know what i mean the, a little the normal baby you don't really see and, <laughs> and then, uh, sack wearing sack wearing boy and then sack boy yeah. who has um who looks a lot more human 
than Jason Leto. <laughs> he's still a bit weird, isn't he? He's got that long ginger hair and like a, a bit of a fuck face. Um, but he's not undead or yeah. completely weird. So Jason has gone on to kill 137 people, excluding this film and part five's copycat disappointment that yeah. is Roy many Burns. people absolutely hate. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. I didn't know that with that one, actually, that a lot of people, uh, they plan to make several films with... Roy Byrne. Yeah, they did. And Tommy Jarvis as well. Yeah. We'll touch on that when we come to the retrospective. Yeah, but um, that's just a weird little thing that pops in my head. Definitely. Um, discussion, uh, I think, of our favourite films. So, for Legacy, we've got to have a touch upon. This will come into much more detail later, but are there any favourite moments that you've got from the franchise in the whole, or body counts that stand out for you? Yeah. Um, so, obviously, like I said earlier in the episode, whenever I rewatch the franchise, I always start with four for some reason. Yeah. Um, but you know, four is just so good. You know, you have a, uh, you have Crispin Glover in it, and he's dancing. <laughs> you know. Oh God, I forgot that. Yeah, he does that weird dance. <laughs> he lays pipe with one of the really hot twins, and then he has an absolutely horrible death. It's so weird to think of Crispin Glover getting. Laying pipe. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> but, but he, you know, he works so well. There's so many things in there, like, um, you know, uh, Jason being reanimated in part six is just iconic for me. Yeah. Uh, Kane Hodder taking over the role of of uh, Jason in part seven. He's so that, good. At yeah, it. awesome. And it solidified Hodder as kind of like a true horror icon. Although, yeah. you know, before that, part six, we had CJ Graham. Part four, we had Ted White. Uh, but And they're both brilliant in their portrayals. Yeah. I think Kane Hodder's body type, yeah, just the Kane way Hodder. he looked, is that iconic. If they're using an image of Jason, it normally is his Kane Hodder, build, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, because he's, he has the build for it, he has the temperament for it. You know, he's just so good at it. Yeah, um, Jason X for me is is also a great time. Yeah. As long as you could suspend a bit of disbelief and enjoy the film, you know, it's got Jason in the future. It has Uber Jason. I, I loved you. I, I, I love him, Jason. Jason. I think Jason X is the first I saw of these films. The first one I saw Which was is Jason weird. Goes to Hell. Ah, see, ah, I've actually, I realised the other day, I have never seen Jason Goes to Hell. You're I had the box out. set, I had all those things. I watched yeah. the trailer for it the other day, the trailer didn't look that bad. It's weird, it's a weird film. It man. looks like a weird kind of action like, tending in these mercenaries or something. It's and, more but, of a, it feels more like an Evil Dead film. Yeah. Oh, okay. And Jason, I, I love mean, the, the look poster's Jason, weird, because yeah. it has the snake thing coming through his yeah, eye, you know. I've, uh, J- that is one of my favourite looking Jasons. He looks amazing, but yeah, he's only he in it for cool. about five minutes. Yeah, see, really I, weird, this is what yeah. I mean. I, I, yeah. he's, he's in the trailer sells it very well then. Yeah. Um, but I knew that that was like a back, because that was the one that used to be always in like 99p yeah, like always, on the shelves yeah. because it was a production problems and things yeah. like that. So I, yeah, I was interested by it. But um, I was thinking of my favourite deaths because there's 137 and we're not going to cover all these if no, we did a retrospective. We're not, not going to do a list but either. I, these were purely, as I said, I haven't revisited all of these franchise films in a long time. And I yeah. probably knew the first one better than quite a few of them because I used to watch that one weirdly. I probably watched that one more than I've watched a lot of the sequels. Yeah. Um, so this is with me racking my brain going, right, I'm not going to look this up. I'm just going to see which ones do I really remember? What are the legacy ones that stand out to me? Okay, now, Jason yeah. X, as I said, I saw that one first. And the turn of the screw, as I've written it, where the mercer is thrown over. and uh, not, No, isn't the mercery? You, you watched I watched it the other day. Yeah, the guy gets thrown out and lands on oh, the top yeah. of the screw. It's kind of like an army dude. Yeah, that's yeah I great. thought it was a mercenary. That's an awesome And one. it kind of goes around. It's, oh, just, it's stuck in my brain, that one. Yeah, so... that's awesome. The, cr- the face gets smashed in the uh, oh, that's really liquid cool, yeah. nitrogen. The, yeah. I mean, that film is like so cool. Is it it? Is. I, people, I, people hate it. I, I, I saw it. People say it was right, but I love, I love that like mesh. You get yeah. the nor- you get the standard Jason, 
and then he goes into this weird there is the weird bit when he's like trying to kill the what are basically just holograms and that's awesome (laughs) that's so cool but that itself isn't i mean the sleeping bag kill in part seven yeah which they were they were trying to reinvent it weren't they no they won't but it was it it was an interesting try it's a fun film part Um, seven's uh sleeping bag kill you know any Beautiful. sleeping bag kill, I just think, is like the ultimate Jason flex. <laughs> yeah, it's a big flex. Jason holding the woman over the fire. Oh, in yeah. The remake. Um, who have I got? I've got the uh, the flaming flying machete from Freddy vs. Jason. That's sick. Like, that's pretty awesome. Um, what about Demon, you know? Demon? You know where um, is the black dude from part... I want to pay... Oh, I can't... Part five. I'm yeah. sure it's part five, you know? And he's like... He he's he's the chimichangas or whatever it is the burrito and he's in oh, the toilet. Oh yeah yeah baby, okay yeah. Baby, let's sing it to his <laughs> That's girl. Good, yeah. He looks like Rick James <laughs> yeah. and then he dies. And the dancing goth uh, who's in her room like body popping to like. There's just new so many. Um, I had the harpoon death yeah. in 3D, 3D. mind blowing 3D part three. That my that must have been amazing <laughs> to see other. <laughs> um, Julius getting his head punched off in part eight. I've got that was Sick that was the last one I was going to mention. Jason takes Manhattan and the Ju- little yeah. little boxing. Julius just and then it's just, it's 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 kind of hilarious. <laughs> the fact that yeah, he just flies. So that's the thing. These films like they get shit on a lot for being like I don't know for being schlocky or whatever. But they're just so much fun. They like, are. You can watch. That's what these I mean. Films. They're easy to watch, especially. And that's what I think. Once they get out of their head after the first couple and they realize what they basically are is this just fun. You know, the deaths are kind of just a major part of it, inventive yeah. deaths. Then it becomes kind of something that you could easily put on any time. And it's just like, yeah, just let's have this. fun. Let's yeah, have a bit of fun with that. Um, so, and it has had some video games. Yeah. Um, so, obviously, uh, back way before we were born uh, in May 1986, <laughs> um, I don't even think we were thought of then, man. No. <laughs> um, this was the first, yeah, first yeah, Friday the 13th. First game. Friday the 13th game. Um, so, uh, a company called Domark released a Friday the 13th game for the Amstrad CPC, the <laughs> Commodore 64, and the ZX Spectrum. <laughs> like, fuck, man. I'm like, here, Seth, like, I think a Commodore 64, I think I can think of what that looks like. I don't know what the other I've two heard of it. Whenever I hear Amstrad, I always think of her, uh, Alan Sugar. So I don't know if that was related to him or not, because he had Amstrad, I don't know. Hmm. Um, but the plot involved the player picking a sanctuary and attempting p- to persuade others to hide there. Uh, Jason is dis- disguised as a friend until he decides to attack the player. Um, and there's, like, you have to run away from bats and zombies, and it's a really weird game. If you can yeah. watch it on YouTube, it's it, just really it, fun. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite straight, and it definitely plays on more. The, it's Jason disguised, but it plays more on the first film's kind of like, yeah. who is the... Yeah, it's... It's, it's, it's cool. There's a bit <laughs> where you fight Pamela's floating head as well. And yeah. you can unlock a, a special item if you defeat it. I only know because I watched a video on it for some reason. Yeah. Like Angry Video Game Nerd or something. Um, that, oh, yeah, so only enough, there's not been that many, obviously. We've had like Jason appear in like Mortal Kombat and things Which like that. Cool. Yeah. Uh, we've had a few mobile games. There was a killer puzzle game and things like that. Yeah, don't okay, interest me really at no, all. Um, and then we got to... Do you want to tell us about the, the, yeah. big, the big boy that we love? Um, so... <laughs> Uh, Electronic Gaming Monthly announced in June 2015 that a new survival horror multi-platform game with single, cooperative, and competitive multiplayer kind of predator slash prey horror experiences in development um, with a tentative release date of October 2015. So the game was originally titled Slasher Volume 1 Summer Camp, and it was originally developed by Ilphonic and Gun Media joined and hired to help develop. Yeah. Um, the game 
was raised through uh, Backer Kit and Kickstarter, with Backer Kit collecting uh, $271,439.20 from a hundred from 16,109 backers and Kickstarter collecting uh, $823,704 and another 20 cent uh, <laughs> from a total of uh, 12,128 backers. So it was like big money, like it was 2,300,000. Yeah. Like that's a lot of money for people to just big, throw yeah, into it was, a game. It was big for a Kickstarter. Yeah. Um, but then eventually they were able to get rights. This is before the lawsuit. Yeah. They were able to get rights to um, Friday the 13th, the game. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I, I love the game so much, man. The uh, game truly is a love letter to the films. Yeah. You know? Played it so much. Yeah. When it first came out, we were on it all the time and it, well, years later now, yeah. we still play. We still play. I, I downloaded it the other day purely because I was like, "Oh, w- w- I'm watching the film again." I had taken it off for a little bit. Uh, damn, Call of Duty Warzone yeah, takes oh, man, up all your ru- space. It's ruined it, man. <laughs> Not that we play that game all no. the time. I only downloaded that again for the haunting of. Yeah, we did the Halloween. The, one, yeah, I have a bit of a flex on yeah. that. Um, um, but the, you know, the, each game kind of feels like its own film for me. Yeah, um, and the whole game's super fun to play. Kane Hodder uh, returned. Uh, to do the mocap for the kills and if you can if you look at on youtube if you look at them doing the mocap and stuff like that it looks yeah. so fun man <laughs> it looks so good um it was, yeah just getting kane hodder on board to do it is great you know kane hodder clearly loves being jason yeah um i actually brought the game on on the day it launched so i followed it from when it was slasher you know yeah i remember camp. you told you were, you were literally yeah. sending me videos all the time <laughs> you you were the one that told me about it in the first place yeah and it just like I, I literally wish that all of the killers could have their own game yeah. to this level because it, it's just so good. Yeah, I mean, it, the the maps on it are just like the maps from the films. You know, there's so many Easter eggs. The, all of the Jasons look amazing. You have all of the Jasons from the films. You have Roy. Yeah. And then you have, you know, original campers who are all made and all on these tropes who are quite cool. Um, it's probably, you know, the most authentic movie to video game tie-in ever. Um, yeah. It probably, it follow is exactly as simple as the films are. Yeah. You know what I mean? In that way, that it literally is. Here's the campsite. Here's the thing. Try and survive. Just try and escape. Try and and if you can, try and kill Jason, which yeah. is not an easy feat no, to do. Not. You need a whole crew to get that done. Yeah. And um, I've, um, a lot of the, you know, they have kills from the movies on there, but yeah. then they also have a lot of their own original kills. Um, and it had, a, it had a whole roadmap of things. I think it's actually what you know how we became quite close with Dan. Yeah, because we started playing Friday the Thirteenth with Dan, and we used to play it all the time. Yeah, and then eventually we just <laughs> joined in, in big groups. Joined in, in big groups yeah. playing it was awesome. Me, man. you, Dan, Alice. Sometimes I'm not the best. I'm yeah, not always there. The Blaze, <laughs> yeah, uh, Blaze, and all of it, and all, all of the boys. Flexing. The boys yeah. just flexing. You know, um, <laughs> it's great fun. Yeah, uh, yeah. And you know, I, 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 you know, unfortunately, because of the lawsuit, a lot of the stuff that they had planned, like Jason X and some future game modes, had to be stopped, which sucks. Yeah, um, but it all just know. came to a stop, didn't it? Yeah. Right when they were planning all these different things, and then it just yeah, it's just so so shit. Yeah, there was a much better because they had plans for like an, a proper single player, like more of a kind of different yeah. kind of game, didn't they? Where you didn't yeah. have to do it in groups, and you they've know. got and they've got like you know they have offline bots and they have a they do have like a, a little challenge mode, but it's it's there's it's nothing shame, on man. the multiplayer online game that really is it. Yeah. Like it's not really. I don't, I don't yeah. find it as fun as like no definitely. But then not. in general, if you're not. You know, you, yeah. Playing with your mates and things is just that's more fun, my, anyway, yeah, isn't it? That's my, most um, because like, they went on to make a a predator 
Yeah, they, they did make Predator, Predator Game. Media made Predator Game, yeah. which we play at the moment. Yeah, um, we play that one as well, yeah. which I enjoy that as well. And it's good different. Fun. And it's, it's different. It's simple. Um, yeah, yeah. It's, it is different. Um, but yeah, it's it definitely fun. doesn't fill me up as much with love as, no, as Friday, Friday the 13th. 13th. And I actually follow um, what are the, the, the lead kind of person at, um, at Gun Media, uh, whose name's Wes Kelter. Um, so shout out to big wes and the, <laughs> and the teams at gun media and Ilphonic because we've had so many hours of fun from yeah from this amazing you, know? you uh, said that if you we ever had guests they, he'd, he'd be, be like one. a dream guest i'd love to know how he got it the whole process you know i'd yeah. love to know all of that because yeah. you can tell by playing the game that they just love it you know yeah so just as a like a little quick overview i mean obviously on top of the legacy when you talk about legacy you get the merchandise and you get all yeah. of the things that come with it. They've had comic books where it includes crossovers with Michael Myers, Leatherface, Chucky. Ash. Um, Ash. Yeah, Ash, yeah. the Evil Dead. Um, and they've got merchandise and dolls and basically... Basically everything. <laughs> clothing like... Basically, if you can think of it, Jason Voorhees' face has come on it. <laughs> yeah. That's a, that's a probably... bad phrase, though, if you listen <laughs> yeah, to what I just yeah. said. Yeah, Jason has not come on anything. <laughs> He does not do that. Yeah, what is wrong with you? Jason today? does this on every item, so it's yeah. legitimate and authentic. Yeah. <laughs> with signed authentication. I don't know. You can't speak, and Jim, I turn yeah. everything into an innuendo today, yeah, apparently. I don't know what's going on. Um, but okay. yeah, you know, you can see you, you see the legacy of Friday the 13th everywhere, man. And it's, I mean, uh, it's just yeah. such a shame that this lawsuit's going on because... I want another Jason film. There's yeah. some good fan films, you know, Never Hike Alone. and Yeah, um, you pointed to me yeah. one, one to me the other yeah. day. They're making quite a lot of those yeah. now, aren't they? Never yeah. Hike Alone's really good. Never Hike Alone. Never Hike in the Snow is, um, is the follow-up. And it's actually got Tom Matthews, who it was Tommy Jarvis, and plays a big, oh. big, you know, plays a big role in the later films. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I've got to check them. You sent me the check other day. Out, I haven't man. got to check them out. I watched a couple of the... I've seen some of the Michael Myers ones, but I haven't really seen many Jason yeah. ones. So Jay- those two are definitely the best ones. Yeah, that's pretty. Hopefully, I mean, as we said, it's been a little bit delayed, but hopefully as soon as whichever side it comes out on, don't really care, hopefully we get some and they work out. I mean, as I said, it might be... If 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 the parties can't choose it together, it might be a completely different landscape for Jason that they have to come up with. They've got our iconic Jason Voorhees, but in a completely new setting, or they'll have to work very hard to be like, yeah. it's not too close. It's this is just <laughs> close enough, you know. Yeah. It's a it's a camp, yes, but it's on the moon. <laughs> yeah, it's a camp. Jason X is back. I Jason X too. Well, <laughs> I mean, not to ruin the cinematic masterpiece, but at the end of the film, he does land on Earth too. <laughs> so there you go. Just just build off of that instead yeah, and say, yeah, but it's it's not the same story. It's not the it's same Earth, Earth too. It's, it's a Earth different too. alternate world. Yeah, that perfectly um, works. So yeah, I hope for the game. I hope for the movies we get to see some more of Jason because yeah. we're Jones are for it because there was a, there's a long period without him. You know what I mean? Um, as it stated, 11 years. he was huge in the eighties. Yeah. He wasn't actually around too much in the nineties. It came back a bit in the two thousands, you know, with Jason X and Freddie versus Jason, you yeah. know, all, you know, all good fun films. And then we have the 2009 remake and then it kind of stopped there. No one yeah. could really, they tried so many times for so many different ways, but it just never really took off. Did it? No, they, I mean, they looked at, they looked to do it a found footage one. Um, yeah. He's one of the only one. I've said this before that he's one of the only ones, if they'd gone that route where I could kind of see how that would work. Well, Never Hike Alone is kind of a bit of a found footage. Definitely got to check these out. <laughs> yeah. It's about half found footage, I'd say. 
maybe a bit more, but it works really well. Yeah. It's done. Well, really I say well. I've got to really check that out because I'm not actually that big of a fan footage fan <laughs> anyway. So I don't need to because of that. I just want to check them out. But the fan footage thing, if you were going to chuck it on, if they put Michael Myers fan footage, which oh, they kind of did. They kind of did, man. <laughs> yeah, and it, it was terrible. So you know what I mean? Like, it's got to be footage. things. But if you're going through the woods and the forest with it, a Blair Witchy style yeah. kind of, yeah, you can kind of see What's a Nightmare works. on Elm Street fan footage? <laughs> it's just a ah. video of people <laughs> sleeping. <laughs> just sleeping. <laughs> and they're just dying. Just react and just die. Yeah. I mean, it might be creepy just to suddenly see someone <laughs> just get like torn on the face. But yeah. Um, so yeah, um, so that is our quite 40th anniversary of Friday the 13th. Yeah, I mean, happy I f- birthday to Jason I as know. well. Big happy birthday, big Jason. Um, rip, rip Jace, rip yeah. Pamela. You there know. you go. Rip Rest Mrs. in hell. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, and there's even for just this one film, there's a lot to pick out. And as we said, we'll go into a retrospective at some point, but that's going to take a long time. Like Halloween took us a while. This one would take us a very, because he's got a lot of films. He's got a lot of films. And there's a lot to dig into, as you can see, just based off one film and a little bit of their legacy. Yeah. There's so much to talk about. So um, n- next episode will be, we are going to go into another segment, which we're going original versus remake, where we're going to look at a few different films over time and a few different ways in which the original remake are different from each other, whether they're better, worse, all the pros and cons that we normally discuss. Um, And this one will be The Thing. So original v remake for that one. Um, So, Bobby, over to you. Yeah. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed uh, today's episode. So obviously this has come out on Friday the 13th. Uh, normally our episodes come out on Monday, but before, as it's a special occasion and it's Friday the 13th, we would release the episode on the actual day. Our next episode will be on Monday the 30th. Um, and as always, we are over on Instagram and Twitter at CMTH Podcast. Come and let us know your thoughts on the first Friday the thirteenth. What you you know the first time you ever watched it. What you thought of the big twist. What you thought of the kills. And uh, yeah, we shall see you next time. Bye bye.